0: And those are the organizations and the environments that just don't feel good to any of us. And we're longing to be in these places that are based on trust and based on care. Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome to the Where Accountants Go podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, we revisit former guests every once in a while, and that's what we decided to do for this episode. Dina Jansen, our former guest for episode 75, actually half of our podcast life ago at this point, happened to be speaking at an event I was attending as well, and we had the chance to catch up a little bit. Based on that conversation, I asked if she'd be willing to come back on the show for an update episode, and she said that she had something even better in mind than that. She wanted to come on the show specifically to educate us a little bit on one of the topics that she does quite a bit of consulting on on. That topic is building the language of trust. That was compelling for obvious reasons. I mean, who doesn't need to know more in the accounting and business world about developing trust? You know, we all do, as a matter of fact. So that's how we ended up recording this episode for today. I think you're really going to find a lot of value in this discussion, not purely just from the entertainment perspective, you know, but also from the educational perspective perspective, you're going to come out better educated on the topic of trust than you are at this moment by the time you're done with this show. I really enjoyed recording this. If you do find value in this episode for yourself, please check out our books. You can find them on Amazon. We have 49 tips for a successful accounting career, as well as 49 tips for working with a headhunter, both available on Amazon, both out close to about a year now. And as a matter of fact, if you do enjoy it, please don't forget to leave us a rating. We appreciate all ratings on our podcast as well as on our books. We really do appreciate that. It helps to know that we're going in the right direction. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's repeat guest, Dina Jansen.
2: Well, hello, Dina. Welcome back.
0: Hi, it's good to be here. I'm glad to join you again. Yes, me too. This is going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. <laughs> well, for the audience, you may have noticed that we
2: occasionally circle back with a few guests just to see how things have progressed and changed in their careers. And Dina Jansen and I ran into each other at a CE session, actually, not too long ago. And, and we got to talking about her business a little bit. So I figured she'd be a great guest to do a follow-up episode with. Dina started her career, like most of us, in accounting, but now she works more in the area of interpersonal development. And I'm going to let her share the specifics of that with you. In particular, though, we're going to talk about the concept of trust and how it affects us in our careers. So really, no matter what point you're at in your career, much later on or very early in the process, I think you're going to find a lot of value in this episode. Dina, before we get into what's happened the last few years in your business, Mm -hmm. all of our listeners may not have heard episode 75. So why don't you give us a little recap of your early accounting background? What was your early career like? And then how did you transition into what you do now?
0: Sure. I'd love to share again. And it was such a pleasure to join you the first time. So again, I'm excited to be here for round two and (laughs) be about two years out, which is quite amazing how time flies, but how much you can live and learn in that short amount of time. So I am Dina Jansen and I am a CPA here in the great state of Texas. I graduated and actually attended Texas Tech University. And when I went into college, I went in as a management major and thought, well, I like people and I like to manage things. So I do that. But after I took my first class, I realized it was not for me. But my accounting class really just kind of seemed to flow pretty naturally for me. And so many other people were not happy with Accounting 101. And I remember the graduate assistant saying, you'll always have a job, right? You'll always have a job if you do accounting. And I was like, well, sign me up, right? So that started my accounting work in college. And I was really fortunate to then actually work for and be a graduate assistant for Dr. Robert Freeman, who was a former GASB member. And so because of him and really wonderful connections, when I graduated, I was able to work at a really small local firm in Lubbock for a year and then transitioned when we moved home. My husband and I at the time, we moved home and I worked at Deloitte too for eight years. And again, in all of that time, I worked predominantly in the government higher education space and always on the auditing side of the house. So I was the friendly auditor that people love to welcome <laughs> into their space. And so I was at Deloitte & Touche in Austin for eight years, and it was a great experience. I got to learn a ton, got to be on some really large engagements. But after about eight years there, I was really drawn to the largest local firm in Austin, Maxwell Lock & Ritter, and made the transition there and spent the next seven years of my career with that team in downtown Austin. So after a few years, I was actually really fortunate to become a partner. And I was a partner there and managed the nonprofit practice, which, again, just played such a beautiful part in my career. I already had some of the compliance experience with single audits and that from the government side of the house. But I really, Maxillock and Ritter was just a wonderful place. It was great people, great clients, really a great team that I was working with. So stayed really always on the audit side of the house, always in kind of that government, higher ed, nonprofit space. But something, and you've already kind of alluded to the fact that something in me really just kept feeling this pull to try something out of the public accounting space. And that was really scary to me. And it was even scary as I agreed to become a partner because I had already felt that pull before I committed to that. And it was hard to me because I knew and loved the firm so much. I didn't want to commit to something I wouldn't be there for long-term. But in February, 2018, I did officially retire and walk out of the doors of Maxwell Ritter. The managing partner there and the audit team and the audit partners I was working with were so wonderful and gracious in my transition as we all kind of explored the options of what I could do, right? If I try could try to do something with my passions inside the walls of the office or if I needed to walk out. And we all decided that for all of us, the best thing was for me to retire and move on. And so now I'm just about hitting my two-year birthday for Dina Speaks. Dina Speaks is a business that I created that is really all about sparking lights of curiosity and hope and potential seekers is what I call them. So I work with individuals and teams that truly want to be more than they are right now. They want to learn and they want to grow and they want to connect with themselves and with their team and with their clients. And so it's been a crazy two years of transition and it's exciting. I've actually published my first book called Road to Hope in that time and really just excited to kind of continue to let the the adventure unfold. But that at least a little recap, I think, from where I've been to where I am today.
2: Wow, you've done a lot. And I
0: yeah, I published your first book. (laughs) Yeah, the book was really is really beautiful. I've got one looking at me just to remind me. Cause it's only been out since November of 2019. It's only been out a few months, really. And so I was thinking this morning of how quickly we move on to the next accomplishment, right? But it's really important to stop and look about at where we've gone and where we've been and celebrate the hard work we've put into those things, too. So
2: Wow. Well, that comes as a surprise. I didn't know that. And in case I forget to ask later, so where can we find your book?
0: (laughs) Well, absolutely. You can find it on Amazon. It is self-published and that was a fun process to learn and really play through that entire process from the writing, obviously, all the way even then through the design elements and then getting it online. And I have all of the formats available. You can do paperback or Kindle or hardback or, you know, I'm a huge Audible fan. We're all really busy, but we're in our car a lot. So listening to a book totally counts as reading. And so I had a lot of fun actually doing the narration for my own book. So you can actually just hear me read to you if you'd like. You can grab it on Audible as well. So, Wow. All
2: right. We're going to have to talk later because... <laughs> Sure. I have my books in Kindle and Amazon and paperback, but I haven't ventured into the Audible area. But we'll, we'll okay, see. Don't that be for too scared. Time. You
0: can do it. You can do it. It's a wonderful way to get in a ton of learning when you're normally just, you know, in that community way. Anyway. So I highly recommend Audible or other formats too. But yeah, let a lot of the info come in through your ears. <laughs> so
2: Definitely. Well, I forgot that you had just started your business when we recorded the last episode. That's intriguing. Yeah. I guess, what did you learn in the last couple of years and how has your business maybe changed to be different than what you first thought?
0: Sure. It's interesting. I appreciate that question because, again, I'm one who loves self-reflection. And when I think back, you know, the most interesting thing for me is that the transition from corporate life and corporate lifestyle to entrepreneurship was way more disorienting than I thought it would be. I I have thought, well, I know how to do business, right? I've, I've lived business my the last 15 years. I know what to do. I know how to run things. I know how to build people. I know how to get clients. But it's a totally different ballgame when you're on your own and you don't have that support of that team and the process that are already there, right? You literally are building it from scratch. And so it was really quite disorienting for me. Then I realized that I really do love people around me. And so it's been a different energy. Now it's just my dog and me, which is different. But, you know, I think for me, what was interesting and and as I have explored my own business is that we were, I was fortunate to not have to rush in and recreate my income overnight. We had planned for a transition, so I was able to ease into what I want my business to look like. And when I thought of my business, I thought I'd be walking out. The dream I had when I was still in public accounting was I was going to walk out on these huge stages, right, with these huge audiences. <laughs> and, oh, right, everyone's excited to see me. But I quickly realized that takes time to build, right? And so I have slowly eased into deciding I'm going to trust my intuition, trust my gut. And that again, is why trust is such a fun topic for me that I'm going to hone in on my message, know exactly what I have to offer, and then bring that to the world at a pace that feels good to me. So it's transitioned again, what I thought is, again, I would start off really speaking a lot and really having and going out and with business development efforts and trying to ramp up my clients. But what I decided is no, I really have to get this book out because this book is the message that it really is going to lay the foundation for a lot of the work that I do. So it's a lot of thinking, you know what you're going to do, but then having to be patient with yourself and also have a little courage to know that you don't exactly know the next step, which is a little bit different than my corporate world because I knew exactly what to expect, right? I knew that Every three months, I'd have a new audit, and I'd start a new client, and I would work through that, and we'd report—you know issue the report, and there was a rhythm, and I just had to create and learn what the rhythm is on this IVL.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that must have been a huge adjustment because Maxwell Lock and Ritter is a large, large firm, great resources, and yeah. you were a partner, and to walk out and not be able to email somebody to please arrange something for you. right. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that must have been a big adjustment. But you're here two years later, so hey.
0: I am. Obviously yeah, I haven't out. given up and I'm not going to. You just start to learn discernment. And again, that, and that's why trust is so interesting. You start to learn what do I really need to learn or what can I outsource to others? And that could be a whole other podcast on really trusting others with work that they can do, that they are great at and knowing your strengths and then putting the resources, financial resources and investments where that makes sense so that I'm not having to learn all of the things there are to learn, you know, because you can't do it all. Because again, the one thing that I hadn't... I also have two kiddos, right? I have two middle schoolers that are prime time busy. And I wanted that, you know, my decision was partially, my decision to move into this lifestyle was partially a lifestyle decision. I wanted to manage my time with my family and my career. And so it's a balance of knowing where to put your time and energy, which are the most important things we've got. So, Yes, yes.
2: Well, you alluded to this earlier, and really this is sort of what piqued my interest. In our scheduling emails, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about, quote, building a language of trust. And I love that verbiage. Honestly, I'm not sure where to start. <laughs> I am curious what you meant by language, you know, because cool. I haven't heard it stated quite that way. So where can we start on that topic?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a woman of many words, right? I love words. I named my business Dina Speaks. When I wrote my first draft of my now book, it was very long. And thank goodness to some wonderful editors, we literally shaved off almost 30,000 words. So I have all the words. I love them. I want to use them. I'm interested in them. I know the power of words. But what was interesting is here we are literally in a, I was in a career that is based on trust, right? If you go all back to the history of CPAs and why we're here and how we even term ourselves now trusted business advisors, our work is about trust. And I operated in that career for 15 years and really realized that I had operated and done transactions based on trust, but it was never something we talked about, right? We just didn't talk about it. I don't remember having a training on trust. Right. And as I really started to, again, and I've mentioned a couple of times, learn to start trusting myself as I'm building a business and as I'm going and hopefully getting clients to work with me and having to gain their trust. And again, one day, hopefully building a team and having to know that I can trust that team and trust. It's basically all of what we do comes down to trust and care. So I was like, well, if I'm so interested in this, then I need to do some research. So I really went and kind of found three different, what I call experts in the field. And I researched their, I read their books and researched their stuff. And then I was like, I want to bring this to other people and see if this is landing. Like I'm fascinated with it, but do other people think it's interesting? And that's where we happened to cross paths, right? I was able and really fortunate to go through several of the CPE expos around the state and bring Mm -hmm. this content to other people. And and I think it's one of the most interesting things because trust is such a big topic, but we don't ever stop to really break it down into small smaller components and just learn more about it because I really do think trust is a choice and it's a choice we're making all day, every day, which is interesting. Like, you know, let me just say, did you sit down and are you sitting in a chair right now? Yes. Yes. So when you sat in that chair, did you actually stop to like push it around and make sure that you thought it would hold your weight or did you just pop down? Ah.
2: I just plopped out.
0: <laughs> yeah, you plopped out, right? It's, but you made a choice. You yeah. chose to trust that that chair would hold you. And I know that sounds that's a, a silly example because we go into much more complicated decisions on trust, but we're making these choices every day. And so there was one book that Charles Feltman wrote a book, The Thin Book of Trust. And I. it's literally thin. It's 60 pages. And I just loved it and a couple of others. And I just wanted to bring that to other people and learn for myself because I believe that in our profession again, the more that we can actually focus on building, maintaining, and then rebuilding trust when we have a breakdown, because that's going to happen. You know, we're going to have moments where we don't see eye to eye or where we fall short, and we've got to rebuild trust. And those are hard things to do, and they're not something we're taught. So that's really why I was so passionate about it. And that's why I call it a language, because that's how we communicate, right? We communicate with each other through our trust, and we communicate oftentimes our words aren't saying, hey Mark, do you trust me but we're implying it through our behaviors and our activities and how we do work together and so it's just creating a language of trust to me just helps people realize we are talking in trust and we just need to actually learn more about it so that we can know better, do better, you know learn more and try to apply more. so
2: yeah, I tend to think of trust as either comes naturally or it doesn't come naturally <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're talking about language of trust is there, a specific language or words or an approach that we can use better to show that we can't be trusted? Is there anything we can do from that standpoint? Particularly, let's let's say we have a new team or we're on a new team or you're working with a new client. How do you instill that?
0: Yeah, and I think what you do is you actually talk about it. You actually bring up the concept of trust and you break it down and you break it down into smaller bites. And, it, and I want to give credit where credit is due to Mr. Feltman. And I strongly recommend you and your readers read this book, but what he breaks down trust into is that it's actually four assessments that we're making of people. You know, I'm an auditor, will always be an auditor. I literally <laughs> was paid to be curious and ask questions. And the assessments that you're making are, is this person sincere? Are they reliable? Are they competent? And do they care? And so he breaks trust into these four distinctions or these four assessments of sincerity, reliability, competence, and care. And... It really allows you then when there is some sort of break or as you're building a team, you can really talk about how are we going to talk to each other to know that we're being sincere with each other, that I mean what I say and I say what I mean and I'm going to act accordingly. Or how can we talk about reliability? You can count on me, right? You can count on me to promise to deliver what I promise I will. Or when it comes to competence, oftentimes we go in and we want to prove our competence but sometimes the most competent thing to do is say i don't know how to do that especially in a world where we are completely technically driven right we're compliance bound industry so we need competence but sometimes the hardest thing to do and the biggest builder of trust is to say I actually don't know how to do that yet. And I need more training. And that is actually an opportunity that where people would think, oh, they're not going to trust me. They're not going to give me the work, but they actually might trust you more because you were honest about your competence when it came to that specific area or topic. And at the end of the day, caring about each other, the fact that you actually are in this together, that we are a team and I'm going to support you and you're going to support me. And this is a team effort instantly will build trust. But it can't only be in words, right? So it has to start though with a conversation and then you allow it to play out in your actions because actions will always speak louder than words. But you keep coming back to it and you keep having conversations about how do we feel? Like, how do we feel when it comes to these components of trust? Specifically, if there's a snafu or something goes wrong, you can come back and try to break it down instead of saying, you know, I just can't trust you anymore. It can be, wow, I really realize there's something about, I don't feel like you're reliable right now. You've told me you deliver and you haven't twice. How can we fix that component and really see if that gets us back on the road? So it allows us to get focused on such a huge topic. So it's been fascinating to me.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned reliability.
0: In that example,
2: right there, and actually you said this earlier, so I wanted to ask you, there's gaining trust and building trust, and then there's having to rebuild it.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Um,
2: What are some of the... I started to say tip and that cheapens yeah. it too much, but so how do you rebuild trust when you haven't been reliable a couple times and you sincerely realize that and it will be different later, but how do you get that other person to know that?
0: Well, yeah, and that to me is where the hard part starts, right? The challenge is that we are in a people business. We are absolutely in a numbers business, but we're in a people business. That's all we do is deal with people. We deal with our own teams. We deal with our clients. And again, since this trust is this underlying kind of unspoken language that's being spoken, what I would say is if you've got a specific issue with reliability, the bravest thing to do is to sit down and sit next to the person, not across the table, but if you can sit side by side, showing them that you're in this together and being very clear, this was the expectation. It hasn't been met. It's leading me to question if I can rely on you and I need us to figure out together how we're going to remedy that going forward. And a lot of the training that I do, we actually break down the four components and he does in the book as well. So again, I recommend people read it. If he breaks it down then how you can really have clear communication to make sure that you're on the same page, because you know, when it comes to reliability, if you think I've missed the mark a few times, it might be because you're not clearly communicating to me what the mark is. And so I'm aiming at something else. Does that make sense? Like, it's a much more interesting conversation when you start breaking down the concepts and making sure, well, did they clearly understand what you wanted of them, what you were asking? And that is how you build that reliability. And now if that is clearly communicated and they continue to not do that, then you're going to have different conversations and sometimes trust. The most caring thing you can do for someone is to offer them a different opportunity. And that's, again, just a conversation of trust. But you have to have the conversation, go on into it, knowing that you're a team, but making sure that you both have a piece of the conversation to see if you're truly on the same page about what the expectation was, which is one of the things that we talk about when we break down reliability.
2: I'm curious, now that you know as much as you do about the science of trust, I don't know if that's... (laughs) That's the right way to do it. Sure, why not? (laughs) Based on the last two years and then also your experience as a partner and as a very successful accounting professional, what challenges do you see us in the accounting field having around trust? When you're going and you're doing some of these trainings, what do we accountants tend to have the most difficulty with?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that it comes down to the actual process of slowing down and clearly communicating through all of the work that we do. I think that as I look back on my own journey, as I was managed and as I managed others, I know full well that I probably rushed through a lot of conversations that would have been so much more productive for me and my teammate or my client for that case, or for that matter, if we had stopped and really talked through and had really clear conversations on what we were trying to get to, how we were going to get there and how we would circle back to make sure we were on track. I think that when we do get off track, and a lot of young professionals, and even as I was a young professional, if someone happened to make a mistake, again, that which could bring their competence into question, or if someone was not reliable and did not deliver what they said they were, their senior or manager might decide, well, I just can't trust them. And they just, instead of really developing them and trying to dig a little bit, we just went to the people that we knew we could trust. Right? And it's not that we had a stronger conversation with the performer about their trust. It's just they happen to naturally continue to deliver. They naturally were more reliable or more competent. But this other person might really have had the potential to get there, but we didn't take the time to really do that because that is the challenge in our profession. I don't think we spend enough time on these soft skills that are really hard. (laughs) They're really hard. And we are so technically driven. The powers that be continue to push out new guidance, changes to things that we have to say. so focused on the technical aspects of our profession. These softer skills, these skills that are so, again, as you mentioned, interpersonal, that they are, they're just how we do business, not the business that we do. We need more time and more focus on that because I do think we are strong and we are Capable of these conversations and these, this information. We just need more training and more practical application. So.
2: That's interesting. There are other podcasts that
0: focus a lot on
2: billable time and whether or not we should be using time sheets and, and that kind right. of stuff. And that is totally outside my, my ballpark. But it is interesting how so much of it comes down to if you take the time, if you slow down, then the individual knows you care and then you'll communicate better. And then, yeah, trust is built. Well,
0: and that's the thing is in all of the research that you look at and even just think about your own work experiences. Most of us at this point in our career, or even as you're starting have had an experience in a workplace where it felt great, like where it just, it worked, it flowed. There was a camaraderie there and there was a trust. Again, we don't verbally talk about it. We don't walk around high-fiving and say, oh, I trust you today. Right. But it was there. But you've also worked in places where that has not been the case, where, there's a lot of micromanaging or there's a lot of you know doubting people can do things and there's just not a lot of care and those are the organizations and the environments that just don't feel good to any of us and we're longing to be in these places that are based on trust and based on care because again what i was saying is the research shows when we are in high levels of trust when we're in those high levels of care we've got higher employee engagement we're all more productive we actually then, because we trust each other, we're more innovative, right? We trust each other that we can try some new things and see if it works. And if it does, we move on. If it doesn't, we trust that we can learn and grow together. And so that's why I just want to keep bringing it to more folks so that they can create those types of workplaces.
2: It really is the stronger manager that slows down and takes the time to develop their people. instead yeah, of- absolutely. You know, simply just going to the same person who, you know, that can get the job done. And then you have a team of one (laughs) instead of a team of many. That's a good point. Good point. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I'm curious, reflecting, I guess, back on your own career and, you know, prior to starting Dina Speaks and doing this research and that kind of thing. Is there anything you looking back on your own career that you may have done differently now or situations you may have handled differently or just given what you know now about the development of trust? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, since I feel drawn to work with, again, what I call potential seekers and consider myself a potential seeker as well, I think that there were so many times when I missed out on opportunities to build trust. Because I was too scared to talk about some of these elements of trust and because they're uncomfortable, right? I could have really worked with some clients and built some relationships in different ways had I slowed down and had some of these conversations. But I do think, even as I planned for my transition, I think That just like you said, when I had other leaders model to me that we can slow down, we can have conversations about this, we can try to figure it out. There was so much of that model to me that now I feel like I can bring that to others. And I hopefully then I model that for my kids or others that I work with that we need to continue to literally trust each other because That's all we've got. And so, again, as I build my business, I think that's going to be what I continue to have to do is just slow down. I mean, in my office behind me, I have a big old picture of a sloth because it reminds me slow and steady will win the race for me. And I do think that that's another interesting element of trust that we've focused a lot of of how we can have trust with other people. But one of the other really interesting elements of trust is self-trust and how we really stop and give ourselves time to connect with ourselves and really ask ourselves good questions and get curious about, are we trusting ourselves? Are we trusting our intuition? How can we care for ourselves so that we are able to show up as those managers and those partners and seniors that are able to slow down and be supportive and develop others, right, and to grow with them? And that's a talent. That's a skill that we can hone in on, but so many times we're so busy focusing on others, we don't focus on ourselves and we do need to spend that time really kind of thinking about our own trust that we have with ourselves, which seems like an interesting concept, but again, as part of the research was one of the things that I really looked at. Brene Brown's work was really interesting and in Dare to Lead. She's got a wonderful book, but even just how she breaks down trust is a, a, a different way. She's got about nine elements, but it's another way to really decide, are you kind of braving the world of trust and trusting yourself with others? So I definitely have learned a lot. And I think that for me, the biggest thing is I learned is I probably just kept going too fast because I wanted to prove myself to others, right? And instead, I really missed out on some opportunities to guide others through better and to build more trust with myself and my teammates and my, even my clients. Yeah, I've heard it
2: described as imposter syndrome. And I think that most of us, I really do believe that most of us as our careers build at some point get that imposter syndrome where we feel like we're on the outside doing better than we are on the inside and we sort of can't believe, you know, where we right. are and, and, and sure. we're a little afraid that people may figure out that we're not quite as good as we look, you know, absolutely. And if you can't trust yourself, you know, there again, how are you going to trust others? So. Absolutely. Um, no, and
0: it really does start that way. And I totally, my husband would laugh that you said that because I would tell him, I'm like They're going to figure me out one day. They're going to yeah. figure it out. Like I've got the wool over their eyes. And he's like, "Dina, they trust that you're ready to make partner. And I'm like, nope, they're going to figure it out. It was, so yeah, every, most of us, is, if we're human, we are going to go through some self doubt, right? Which really, again, gives us an opportunity to stop and question and really wonder where is that trust with ourselves and how can we build it? So
2: switching a little to the individuals that are really early in their career, because a large part of our audience is either students or first couple years out of college. And it's very important to all of us at that point in our lives that our managers <laughs> you know, trust us, right. that the people right. we're going to work for, or even if we're venturing out on our own, that our clients trust us. So I mean, what specific advice, I guess, would you have for individuals really early on in their career like that? What can they do to help foster that trust? What are the basics?
0: Yeah, well, I would say that the very first thing is, you know, in college, we did a lot of reading. I don't know about you. I did a lot of reading in college. Do you remember all the reading we had to do? (laughs) Pretty much all, I think. I feel like what happens is as soon as we get our career, start our career, we're so thankful that we don't have any reading to do that we stop. And so I know it sounds like a silly tip, but the tip is to really to keep learning through either reading, again, as I mentioned, or listening. And I would highly recommend, you know, picking up this Charles Feltman's book, The Thin Book of Trust, or Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. And then of course I feel like I Stephen Covey has just kind of a been a master in the business development space and he has the speed of trust. But pick up a book. Keep learning as you are going into a profession. Keep learning and even actually even if you were to change from audit to tax to wealth management to wherever you might go in the public accounting space, trust is going to be in all of it because it's a people business. So start actually learning a little bit about it. Be curious about it with yourself and have conversations with others. And you know that's kind of the first tip is just to keep learning. So pick up a book or listen to a book that you know now these youngs listen to a podcast. There's so many great options. So keep learning about it so that you have a level of awareness that I know full well I did not have going in and would have been really fascinating to have. The second thing is then is just to watch, right? We're doing it unconsciously, but actually watch and look who is modeling behavior around you that you trust right you're going to be surrounded by people by clients all of the time and start just picking up on little things of like wow they really are doing this really well or they are the most competent person i know and they're honest about what they do know and what they don't know and how to learn more i want to exhibit that in my life or and this person is consistently delivering and i'm always a day late so what can i learn from that person to improve myself so look around and see who is modeling some really amazing behavior that you are drawn to And then not only just watch it, but take them out to coffee, right? You don't need to be the one, like, don't wait to be asked. Reach out and say, man, I'm really seeing something in you that I'd like to have in my own professional toolkit. How can I learn from you? One, it would be an honor to them to share that. And two, you're getting a great way to just network and build a network, but also just to start honing in on the skill set you want to build. And I think then the third thing is just to then stop and actually, like we've already talked about, slow down a little bit Mm -hmm. and actually reflect on your own growth, your own amount of self-trust that you have and how you can keep maneuvering through your career path. So don't wait for the annual evaluation process to be the only time you think about your own performance. Give yourself some time throughout the year at some set point to set some goals for yourself, see how you're tracking toward those, and give yourself an opportunity to build trust with yourself. And we do that by, you know, again, are we honest with ourselves? Can we trust ourselves that we're going to do what we say we're going to do? And are we learning? And are we competent? And are we really at the end of the day, that is how we care for ourselves because no one else is going to force us to spend time with ourselves except us. So I think those are my three tips learn, connect, and reflect with yourself.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This show is going to end up coming out, as fortuitous, I guess. This show is going to end up coming out right in the middle of busy season for most nice. people. Yeah. And so I'm hoping they listen to it right when it comes out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. It'll just absolutely. slow down a little bit. <laughs> and it's amazing how even 30 minutes or five minutes or even, I'm not kidding, Mark, three deep breaths just three deep breaths, which does not take that any person that long, will literally slow the heart down, allow them to kind of get back where they are because especially during busy season and we just, we're at a higher, we're at a higher pace, we're at a higher, you know, we're functioning really high and we are oftentimes really shallow breathing. So even just take three deep breaths and let them, you know, hopefully get themselves back where they are. That's
2: great advice. Well, I do end every show, as you know, <laughs> with the same well, yeah. three questions. And I do want to redo those because it's been two years. But before we do that, last question. If I do continue to do these update episodes. And of course, if you're gracious enough to grant me a third interview (laughs) later on. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's say say we're talking two years from now. What do you want Dina Jansen's business to look like? What would you hope that we'd be talking about two years from now?
0: Yeah. And potential seekers love dreaming. So I love the question. And I think what I would hope that we're talking about is that Dina Speaks has continued to evolve and impact people's lives. That's the goal. I would love to be talking about the impact that my work is having on other humans, right? Real-life humans that are living their lives every day, that I can come back with stories of people who's like, I heard you talk about this trust and it's really helped me move from here to there in my career. And that's meaningful to me. So I would, one, I hope that we're talking about impact. But two, of course, I would hope that we're talking about probably a second book because that is in my <laughs> mind's eye that this year I'll be launching some online courses so that people can have some self-guided time just to do things on their own to learn about and how they can show up for their potential and how they can commit to the pursuit of their potential because those are two different things. Showing up the first time, but then sticking with it is, is another. And you know, continuing to just roll out the work that I'm learning, I think what's we'll, we'll talk talk. Talk about something that I didn't even know could happen. That's the fun part is trusting that it's going to continue to evolve in ways that I can't even know right now. As long as I'm impacting people's lives and I'm sparking a light of hope and curiosity, then I'll have known that it's done exactly what it's supposed to do.
2: Hmm. See, now I know I have to circle back because I need to see if that second book is out there two years from now. (laughs) I feel accountable to you, actually. Yeah, well, I feel
0: like like I'm still, I did go with a memoir, which felt really right to me, because the how-to and the self-help just felt not as genuine as as I would Mm -hmm. like to be, and I just love learning from story. So I tell my friends that I'm living my next memoir right now. So we're still living it a little bit, so that then I can look back and write about it. So. There you go.
2: Well, like I mentioned, I do still end every podcast with three key questions, and sure. so we probably better get to those. The first one's usually the easiest from a career okay. perspective, including your entire career. Yeah. What's been your proudest moment?
0: Yeah, I would say the proudest moment... I'm going to have to go ahead. I've got two that are like bubbling up, but I'm going to go with, I started producing an annual women's event in my community. It's called Ready or Not. And again, just an opportunity for women to come together for an afternoon of growth, connection, and joy. And it kicked off in January, 2019, but here at the beginning of 2020, in January, 2020, we had Ready or Not, It's Time to Grow and it was a sold out event. So we went from, you know, partial kind of half sold out the first year into selling it out the second year it was a huge moment. I definitely had tears of joy and pride. It was a team effort of myself and the other women that I had invited to join me on stage. And for our community, it was a win to have that many women in the room really excited about their own potential and knowing how that's going to ripple out. It's a real, I'm real proud of that. I'm real proud of it. And I'm proud to see where it's going to go. So any women in the community in Central Texas can be looking for Ready or Not 2021. I'm sure they'll enjoy it.
2: Wow. And it's, it's early in 2020. So when do you do these?
0: I kick them off. I do them every January, right? Because that's the the time where so many are thinking of it's a new year. It's a new time. It's a really great time to get grounded. We don't talk about resolutions, but we do talk about intentionality, right? How can we have intention in our lives and really show up for ourselves in a really strong way, knowing that if we show up stronger for ourselves, we show up better at work, we show up better at home, we show up better in our communities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how it continues to grow. I love the title, by the way, Ready or Thank Not. You. Yeah, because Ready or Not. I mean, we're never going to be 100% ready. So yeah. it was really just definitely a reminder. And it's the only way we let a man in because it's a lot of words. So we go with just Ready or Not. We take it down to an acronym of Ron. So Ron gets to come to the party, but that's it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Excuse me, my I, little cough there, too. Please.
2: I didn't notice that. That's cool. <laughs> Well, second question, tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us, obviously, the better, because that's how we learn.
0: Sure. I would say that, oh, man, the lesson that I learned the hard way that I feel like I continue to keep learning is that in my haste, To accomplish that I miss out on the actual joy of preparation and focus, if this makes any sense. So even with my book, getting that out and just wanting to get it out into the world, but then knowing, and I, you know, I worked with one coach and she was like, let's go find you an agent. Let's get you published. And I was rushing to kind of do that. And I was really feeling like I was forcing it and it didn't feel good. And I really realized, you know, I was like, no, something in my gut is saying it needs another round of love. Let's slow down the process every time. And again, there wasn't any necessary loss in that other than I just keep getting taught that lesson over and over. And I'm just having to trust my own intuition that for me, really, again, slow, focused growth on the one thing that seems to be the right thing at the right time is what really is going to make me successful and give me fulfillment in the end, which is the goal. So it's not like I had a huge loss except that I just spent days and weeks just kind of anxious and nervous and just on high high edge, right? Because I just kept thinking that's what I needed to do when I didn't just slow down and realize that's not what I decided I needed to do for myself. And once I did trust my gut and trust my intuition and then kind of course corrected, then I realized that that's really going to be the road for me. So, you know, it's an interest. There's not a lot of juicy, you can read the book. You definitely should read the book. And I definitely made plenty of other mess ups in my life and had some pretty interesting personal decisions that impacted me and my marriage, but you live and you learn. And what you'll see in the book time and time again is that I have to slow myself down. (laughs) So I'm a go, go, goer, like a lot of other people out there. But the lesson is that when we slow down and really connect with ourselves and others, that's where the good stuff is
2: just for the record, I mean you filled up at least until the summertime on my reading list. I
0: mean with your, oh, well, your good book and then all the <laughs> I other can books give you, you more. <laughs> I can give you more. There are some really amazing books out there. So But you should start yeah. with mine. It's really great.
2: <laughs> oh yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the yeah. best piece of advice that you have ever received?
0: Such a good question. And you know, as I thought back on our first podcast together, I was tempted to just bring that advice forward because it was fabulous. And the one I mentioned there was that a woman had given me guidance when I was trying to decide if I would become a partner at the firm. And you know, she said, just don't ever make a decision solely based on fear. Still absolutely a solid piece of advice that I will keep with me till my dying day. But as I thought of trust and I thought about really what we've been talking about today, and interestingly enough, this was also at the same time when I was trying to make this big decision for my career, if I would become a partner or not, knowing that I had this kind of pull to pursue some other dreams later in life. There was an, several of the partners within the firm that I talked with reminded me, and again, one partner in particular, he just kept telling me like, Tina, you're not signing your life away. Right. Times are going to change. Other opportunities are going to present themselves, but we will figure this out. And it wasn't a specific piece of advice to me, but there was this. We will figure it out. Was ultimately saying you can trust us. Right. We care for you. We trust that you're ready for this transition. And even if you don't won't be here for the long haul, that's okay with us right now because we'll figure it out. And so I think that there's a beautiful piece of advice in there that one life has options. Two, life will have changes and transitions, whether you see them coming or not. But three, we will figure it out. We just will. And if you trust yourself and you trust the people that you're surrounded by, you're going to figure it out. So I think that's what I'm holding on to right now. Wow.
2: What a gift that partner gave you because he released you from that that guilt and that worry. And wow. Wow. That, that is was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That was wonderful to end this on. I feel it's only fair I need to ask you where people can contact you if they want to get Absolutely. in touch. What's the best way to find you?
0: The absolute best place to find me is on my website, so denajansen.com. So it's D-E-N-A-J-A-N-S-E-N.com. And even there, there's links off to the book, Road to Hope, and other ways to connect through to me if you'd like to talk about how we can work together or any other way I can support you. But Jansen.com is the spot to hit.
2: Perfect. Well, I really do hope
0: to be circling
2: back with you here in a couple of years. So thank you so much for doing
0: this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, that was our interview with Dina Jansen. Actually, our repeat interview with Dina Jansen. I really appreciated catching up with her. You can tell that she's the consummate professional in what she does. She's so on top of her game. She's such an expert in her area. And then on top of that, she really enjoys what she does. It really was a pleasure to record this. I appreciated her taking the time out to revisit her career and then talk to us again about trust today. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to record this thank you again dina well thank you to the audience for joining us i'm mark goldman your host for the where accountants go podcast i really appreciate that you come back each and every week thank you so much we will see everyone next week there's more to come